0: Welcome to the Marketing Mondays podcast, where we explore how we can make your offering stand out in the health and wellness space. Through conversations with thought leaders and innovators in health and wellness marketing, we'll discuss marketing best practices, case studies, and innovative ideas to help scale your business and grow revenues with impact. I'm excited to be your host. My name is Andrea Borcha. I'm a fractional CMO and owner of the Dia Creative Marketing Agency. And welcome back to another episode of Marketing Mondays. I'm your host Andrea Borja, CMO of Dia Creative, a marketing agency that focuses on health and wellness marketing. I'm excited today to bring you Christina Griffintini, who is Director of Scientific Communications and Marketing. And we are going to have a lot of fun talking specifically about communications and marketing. Christina, thanks for being here.
1: Thanks for having me. I'm excited. So let's
0: start at the beginning. Uh, how did you find yourself in science communications and marketing, uh, specifically like health and wellness and science? Like, it's not where it ne- necessarily everybody starts their marketing and communications career.
1: Yeah, it's actually a really interesting path. And I get asked that a lot because science communications is such a niche in a way, but also really important. Um, so for me, I've always enjoyed writing. Uh, and science. And for my career, I started down a path of science, working in a lab, realized that it wasn't quite for me. I was much more interested in learning about different kinds of experiments, um, talking about the science rather than doing it. It takes a very long time. You have to have a lot of patience. Uh, So it wasn't quite for me. I went back to school um, for science journalism, actually. I got a master's at Boston University And there I learned journalistic tactics to bring to science communications. So that was really valuable. And then from there, I went into journalism, specifically science journalism. Um, I worked at Technology Review magazine for a while, and that was a great place to learn how to write journalistically about cutting-edge technologies, robotics, biomedicine. Most journalists will tell you that journalism is pretty grueling. The schedule is intense. Um, It's just a very specific career path. So after I did that a few years, I wanted to shift gears again and wanted to continue to communicate science So I found a niche called public information officer, which is essentially you're communicating science on behalf of an institute. Um, So that's where you start to get into the marketing, but also the tactics of science communication and bringing journalism to that was also very beneficial. Um, So now I'm in San Diego, I've worked at the Salk Institute and I'm currently at Scripps Research doing that kind of science communication work that I enjoy.
0: That's a great path. Uh, what? How would you better define the difference between journalistic communication and marketing communication, especially since probably most people that are listening are doing more like marketing sales or very technical communication, but not really journalistic?
1: Mm-hmm. That's a good question. Um, and also, I think PR is also a piece of that as well, because a lot of journalists move into PR jobs uh, quite often, but it's hard to move the opposite way. Um So I would say in terms of journalism, the emphasis is on getting at the truth, telling the story, being objective, right? You're not uh, trying to convince anyone of anything, right? You're just presenting the story, the narrative, and coming up with the facts as best you can, getting a balanced viewpoint. Um, PR is not the opposite, but obviously you're trying to get the word out about your brand, um, share the benefits. Manage any kind of crisis communications. But I would say bringing journalistic elements into marketing and PR is very useful. And one example of that is just writing very clearly and concisely, getting to the point. Um, especially, I find this in press releases very useful. Uh, you know, rather than having sort of fluffy language, which you can see sometimes. In, in in some communications, I found it very effective to take a journalistic approach. Um, you know, get to the point, get to the implications, be very upfront about any limitations, but also clear about um, the benefit of the research or the discovery. So it's sort of a balancing act, I would say, between maybe pure PR and pure journalism. It's kind of this in-between where you want to, you know, promote your institution, share all the great things about it. Um, but in a very clear and effective way.
0: That's really interesting. I've kind of been seeing marketing communication kind of skewing that way. Like I feel like you know, 15, 20 years ago it was very fluffy. It's a lot of like amazing and revolutionary, innovative. How many things have we heard that are innovative? <laughs> um so are you seeing that as your career is progressing with the more recent writing you've been doing, is it still kind of sticking into kind of what you said journalism is? It's just like mm-hmm. keeping it very just succinct, true um or is there still a, a bit of polish that you find that you need to do to to effectively communicate out?
1: I think it's both. Um, I think people really both the general public media appreciate kind of that clear forward writing um, but at the same time sometimes some of the, you know, what we call fluffier language is actually helpful for understanding you know why a technical discovery might be, really important 10 years later, yeah, how it would affect your life as the everyday consumer. Um, and I try to instruct that, you know, I oversee writers and I've coached quite a few writers and um, I've seen kind of the range, but really hitting that sweet spot of uh, being conversational, not too technical, um, but also pretty clear and engaging is what we aim for.
0: Nice. With, with science... In particular, well, actually probably with health too, um, how do you determine the audience you want to speak to and and how to speak to them? Because I can imagine like if you're speaking to someone with 20 years research experience, it can be a lot more jargon heavy probably and and very data driven if you're speaking to the average consumer, but someone that needs to understand the science Mm -hmm. in a more, I don't know, human
1: way. Like Mm -hmm. how do you determine what to write to which audience when you're Mm -hmm. developing this out? Right, so one thing I really enjoy about my job is that it's very public facing. So typically our audience is almost always general public, um, but also media, also potential collaborators, um, uh, donors. so there's a wide range that we typically target And I think of all those audiences, everyone appreciates a quick, clean read, um, a reminder of what, you know, jargons may be. Uh, So we always keep in mind when we develop our content that the reader may not know all of the technical scientific jargon. So we want to always strip that out as much as possible. And that's where editing comes in to make sure, you know, any technical term is well defined, even if we know our audience is somewhat sophisticated and probably knows basic scientific terms. uh, You know, it's nice to have that reminder in there. I think people appreciate it, especially uh, the journalist who's reading it quickly who may not exactly remember, you know, what does RNA do? Um, Yeah. We try to find everything.
0: (laughs) I get that. Um, Yeah. Especially because probably like journalists, since you were on that side, get hit with a lot of PR requests, right? Mm -hmm. So I guess, do you have any advice for any companies that are trying to get in front of a journalist? Like, how should they be writing? How should they be reaching out so that they can actually get some traction?
1: Mm -hmm. That's a good question. And always a challenge. You know, as you say, journalists are inundated with press releases constantly. Um, I think cold calling is probably a thing of the past. I don't know anybody who (laughs) appreciates a cold call unless you've built that relationship. You know, I would say do your research as much as possible. If the journalist has done a recent article that's relevant, definitely call that out in your pitch, try to customize it. Um, you know, typically we will do maybe one follow-up, but again, it's a balance of not wanting to pester to the point of annoyance, but also knowing your email might have fallen through the cracks. Um, you know, I would be careful about over-pestering on social media, that sort of thing. Um, And in the end, you know, they may love your pitch, but they have editors, they have other stories they're balancing. So uh, sometimes it's not about you and the pitch, right? It's about their workload. But um, I think anybody would say the relationships are really key. So um, wherever you can, networking events, uh, reaching out, telling them you appreciate an article they read. Um, You know, all those relationship building tactics are very helpful and and it helps you as well be more effective with your job because you'll know what reporter might be interested in your story.
0: I like that. I also like that you called out that uh, don't feel bad if you don't get picked (laughs) because there's other things. (laughs) Sometimes it has nothing to do with you. Right. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, But a relationship building. Um, I feel like a lot of marketing communications in health, wellness and science is also about building that relationship with the audience. So how, how do you write so that people can feel like you care about them in the writing, that they're reading, that, that you do have a connection with them, that you're not just, you know, profit, 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 profit.
1: <laughs> <laughs> right. And I think, honestly, again, it's a little easier coming from the institutional representation as opposed to a company that's uh, slightly different. But I think there are similar tactics Um, One, I think, is the quality of the writing again, the quality of the press release by taking time to make sure it's well edited, it's well defined. That is already conveying to any reader that you appreciate their time, you're giving them a quality um, product to read. Um, I think stating things in a straightforward way. So what are the implications of this discovery or product, but also what are the caveats? You know, what is maybe it's a time limitation maybe there's more experiments that need to be done I think presenting that helps build trust um and just being yeah straightforward
0: yeah I, that comes back to the not too much fluff I think everyone's got skeptical of fluff <laughs> <laughs> um when do you think that a company should reach out to a more professional writer or connect and and, and start, bringing in someone to handle communications um, as they evolve their health and wellness brand if
1: they're they're a little younger? I actually think it's never too early. I mean, presumably, you know, the website would need to go up. You'd want to start your social marketing well before you have any product. Um, And a good writer can help with all of that, especially if they know how to address kind of that external audience. You know, some writers have more of a technical expertise, which can be very useful for certain kinds of technical writing. Uh, But it's, I think, important to also know that writing to the public is its own skill. And, um, you know, technical writers can develop that skill um, fairly easily, but it does take a little bit of work to understand, you know, how do you do a typical press release? What are common social marketing tactics? Kind of that whole realm, Um,
0: yeah, I, I, I always wonder if it's, uh, I feel like you want to start with kind of like that core writer, somebody that can really tell your story well and and understand your brand and c- connect with your audience. And then you can figure out the nuances of the technical versus the social, because those are very different. <laughs> right, exactly. Is there any um, journalist or publication or, or writing that you've seen that's just really caught your eyes? Like, wow, the, this this is really capturing how one should communicate science effectively.
1: Hmm. You know, there's so many uh, great science journalists. It is sort of a shrinking field, sadly, just as, you know, specialties in journalism have been kind of evaporating over the last few years as uh, journalism struggles a little bit in some sense. And science journalism is definitely one that goes first. You know, specialties in um, science are usually cut out before other beat reporters, but, you know, for a great example of more feature writing, Ed Young at The Atlantic is really, really excellent. Um, he just brings together all these different perspectives. He brings a voice that is very powerful. He is just kind of the perfect example of, I think, ideal science writing.
0: Nice. I love that. So as um, on the work you're doing now and where you kind of see the future of uh, communication and marketing going in science, health, and wellness. Uh, Do you see us skewing in a certain direction? Do you you see anything that uh, companies, hospitals, et cetera, should be paying attention to as they communicate into the future?
1: Hmm. You know, I think um, the first thing that comes to mind is social marketing and this whole idea of misinformation, disinformation. A lot of companies are trying to figure out how to deal with that. in my work, we do work around infectious disease, we do cancer research, um, we do vaccine research. So we try to become a voice of uh, authority. We try to present correct information all the time. But you know, things will be taken and be skewed. And being able to quickly address anything like that, any kind of um, misinformation attempts from others on your work, I think is really important. So having kind of crisis communication plans in place for when, you know, a viral tweet starts becoming a headache for the company. Um, And I think a lot of places are thinking about that, uh, but there's almost never too much prep you can do. There's, um, it just always seems a risk. And with the shifting social media landscape, it's important to be on top of that. Uh, For example, you know, how do you deal with a, Account that's impersonating your brand, especially if there aren't easy check marks in place to report it, and you know those are kind of new and emerging questions as well that I think companies need to be thinking about.
0: I 100% agree. Social, I think, is has always been a bit of a scary place for. Uh, health, wellness, science, and I think they avoided it at first, but then it's, it's unavoidable, but for platforms like Twitter, where you're limited to the number of characters, uh, how, how do you ensure that something isn't taken out of context or how, how, like, what's the process to actually develop out what would be a tweet with an organization that you're in? Because obviously like legal, regulatory, get involved, like who, how does this whole, uh, thing work to actually produce 140 character or less (laughs) piece of content
1: (laughs) right and i'm sure different companies have different processes um for a research institution we typically don't have the like regulatory legal concerns to the same level as a company putting out a new product Um, and our tweets can be fairly straightforward like here's our new discovery based on you know the press release Uh, headline or first paragraph that has already been vetted and checked, you know, that's pretty straightforward. When it comes to more, um, when it comes to a gray area or where there's any kind of concern that something might be misinterpreted, then I definitely recommend checking with the legal group, you know, checking with any faculty or scientist or stakeholder who might be involved and just make sure, you know, there are no concerns that you yourself might not have thought of
0: Yeah, definitely. Do you feel like there's either like an obligation or pressure to be on every single social media platform, especially as new ones emerge all the time? Is that like something that anyone in the health and wellness space should really feel like,
1: oh, this is, this is just a must, you know? Yeah, that's a tough question because it sort of depends on your goals and who you're trying to reach, right? Because all the audiences are a little different. Um, and it's interesting to parse those specific audiences for your brand. So one thing, you know, companies and groups can do is, is try the different networks and see where you're getting good reach, see what's resonating. Um, there's also, you know, advertising in those social networks that can can be powerful. Um, <clears throat> so I guess my suggestion would be to, you know, try the social networks, see what makes sense, uh, see what the ROI is. Um, You know, TikTok is one example, right? I think a lot of groups have thought, oh, should we try TikTok? Um, Is it worth it? And that's one where you sort of need a unique tactic or perspective or somebody who likes to be on camera, almost like who likes to act in their spare time, right? Those tend to do really well. So that's not for everyone. Um, Somewhere like LinkedIn, I think that one's pretty obvious. There's, you know, it's the premier professional space. Um, Twitter, you know, the challenge with not having a presence on Twitter is then you risk having these impersonators, right? So now it's almost become a pressure to try to be on there. So uh, it's a tough question when it comes to Twitter, but I would say for the other ones, definitely experiment, try it. If it doesn't work out, you know, it's not a big deal.
0: But at least now you've got a presence there. So people know that you, you exist, even if you're just
1: posting once (laughs) just to say, I'm here. You can say that in your profile, right? Like more active on Instagram or whatever. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. No, that, that, that sounds like really good advice, especially I mean, tell me if you feel this, but I feel like more and more consumers and professionals actually are finding and looking for information on various social networks, uh, sometimes even prioritizing over news networks, um, mm-hmm. depending on on where their news source is. Uh, given that, you know, it it, it does feel like, you have to have a strong communication strategy across all of these channels. So do you have any advice for anyone that's trying to build out a communication strategy on, you know, both professional communication, like actual
1: articles, all the way through social? Mm -hmm. Um, that's a very broad question. Do you mean more like which social networks might fit with their strategic plan or?
0: When any sort of health and wellness organization is trying to plan out their communication, um, what do you think are the absolute must-haves? So they absolutely must have a social strategy. They absolutely must have a press strategy. They must have a website strategy, blog. Like what What absolutely must be checked off, regardless if they're a small hospital in Idaho, if they're a startup at a Silicon Valley, or if they're a massive research institution?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. Um, So as you mentioned, social strategy is key. Website strategy. These are kind of the basic building blocks, right? Um, Press strategy a uh, crisis communication strategy a lot of places don't really have that and you don't want to be building that out you know after something's happened and it can be pretty basic you know addressing what happens if there's a disaster at your location if there's some kind of legal issue you know just have those basics a checklist of what you would do in those cases because often it's important to act fairly quickly um so crisis communication plan. Uh, I would say one thing I've also noticed is important to have that is often an afterthought is um, your spokesperson. So who, which scientist, which doctor um, likes to be in front of media and is good at being in front of media, and how can you also you know help support them and train them? So that is super helpful and generally you know at least more than one in case that first person's not available. That will be really essential when you're reaching out to press, especially if they have a quick deadline. Um, so I would probably fold that into the press strategy. And multimedia is also one that ties to social, right? How are you going to acquire assets tied to video, to imagery? You know those are essential for pretty much all types of communication. Um, you know, are you going to do a podcast? what other strengths can you bring to the communication space and what makes sense for your brand?
0: Awesome. Awesome. Any last parting thoughts for anyone that needs to concern themselves with their communication, finding a good writer, finding a good partner in their communication?
1: So in terms of finding good writers, um, I highly recommend the National Association of Science Writers. There's a lot of freelancers on there. There's a great job board. Um, that is my go-to spot for finding science writers. Uh, there are also a lot of local chapters and science writing groups. And there you can find you know, journalists turned science writers. Um, you can find a broad range of skills. And as we talked about before, it's never too early to bring on a you know, science writer or someone to think about how to message your content, um, how to best represent your brands. Those are conversations that often happen kind of too late. So I would recommend, you know, as early as possible is a good, good approach.
0: Wonderful advice. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast. It's been a lovely conversation. Uh, once again, for everyone listening, this is Christina Griffintini, who's Director of Scientific Communications and Marketing. If you want to learn more about her, you can reach out on LinkedIn.
1: Are there any other websites you'd uh, advise that they view? Um, sure, I have a website. It's ChristinaG.com. So you don't have to type out my whole last name. Um, also on Twitter and the socials. Wonderful. And once
0: again, uh, I've been your host, Andrea Borches CMO of Dia Creative. Thanks everyone for listening. Thanks again for listening to Marketing Mondays. If you have any marketing questions at all, feel free to reach out to me directly at diacreative.com. That's D-I-A creative.com.